Glad to have you riding along today. Just crawl up here in this old pickup truck of mine. I'll let you off in about 15 minutes or so. Promise. Baby Boomer Tales. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived at our webpage, there are links to many, many things, including our Boomers General Store, our Facebook page, our Twitter page, and now our LinkedIn page. Well, it might be there. I still have to put the link to it. You know how that goes? I'm on that website so seldom doing any kind of improvements besides maybe putting a new item on the Boomer's General Store that I forget how to do it and I have to kind of train myself again. You ever put a website together? It's really quite fascinating and easier than you would think. But alas, this old mountain boy, this old boy from the plains, you know me, the old boy, I can get her done. It just takes a little while. A couple episodes ago, I talked about people that were in my life that are no longer with us. And I excluded my good friend when I was a boy, Terry. I realized that after I had pretty much edited it, and I didn't want to try to stick that in there, I put a little disclaimer on the bottom of the title, but I just wanted to say that Terry was very important to me, and he passed away this last year. I had just found him again after 40 years or whatever, 50 years, and we had a little correspondence. He wanted to talk on the phone, and I refused because my hearing issues, I'm more comfortable emailing or chatting or instant messaging or something like that. I really am. I'm a lot more comfortable with that. Now I wish I would have talked to him. All I could have had to say was, huh? What? Say that again, Terry. Speaking of Terry, you know all these episodes are pre-recorded. And I just got through the Christmas season and the New Year's. And so even though this puppy is going to go out on the 18th of January, it's way before that. And I haven't recorded one for quite a while, way before the holidays, so I have to get into it. Well, last night, I was watching America's Got Talent All-Stars. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they're past winners and people that did very well on America's Got Talent through the years. And Terry Fader came on, and they had a little intro before he did his act. And you know, that man took up ventriloquism at the age of 10. All those years he was in front of little second grade classes and small, small venues trying to hone his craft. And he said he had almost quit a couple times. But then he tried out for America's Got Talent and lo and behold, he won the whole thing that year. I think it was the second year they were in business. And he signed the largest contract of any act in Las Vegas. And I think he's still the highest paid performer there. 42 years old. He had done that for 32 years where no one paid much attention to him. 
maybe some little kids, you know. It is a testament on the human will and the never-give-up attitude that a person can have. I was amazed by that story. I hope I told it right. You could probably find that all out by Googling old Terry Fader. Made me want to just go to Las Vegas and watch his show. He did a good thing last night on TV, though. His turtle and Elton John sang a duet while Terry just stood there and watched him. Our song of the week this week is Acadian Driftwood, recorded by the band and written by band member Robbie Robertson. It was released in 1975 on the album Northern Lights, Southern Cross. Acadia was a North American colony up in Nova Scotia, started by the French in 1664. These strong settlers lived right alongside Native Americans up there, in peace. This song talks about the expulsion of the Acadians, where the British forces forced more than 11,000 out during the French and Indian War. This great song reached number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100. It's like a history lesson. I encourage you to listen to it again as you know some of the history of it now. The war was over and the spirit was broken. Our unusual fact this week, Australia's width is wider than the diameter of the moon. The diameter of Australia is 400 kilometers. The moon is 340 kilometers. Amazing. The history of that area where I grew up in north central Colorado, right in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, on the west side of the Continental Divide, I've seen a lot of changes there, and I haven't been there for several years, and I've heard that it's changed even more. But with the passage of the Homestead Act by Congress in 1862, the West started to grow with homesteading and ranching. The Moffat Railroad made it over the Continental Divide and reached my little hometown in September of 1905. There, David Moffat arranged that parcels were sold and the town was platted out and my little town was born. The southernmost road back in the original plat of my little town was Agate Avenue. We all called it Main Street. It ran east and west. The westernmost north and south street was First Street. And the northernmost street that ran east and west was Garnett Avenue. They named all the east-west streets after stones and rocks. In one of my videos... My friend Pat Garrett touched on that. Some of these streets, Agate, Jasper, Topaz, Garnet. There was an Opal and Diamond. Anyway, the eastern north-south street was 5th Street. So they had laid this town out all nice and square. David Moffat picked this site because it had great connections with the stage route up to the lake town up by where the National Park is today. That town still stands there, right on the Spirit Lake. Another reason they picked that site was the ground was mostly dry. It wasn't bogs or 
any of that stuff, and it had pleasant views. I'll say, see the whole continental divide there. They built most of the buildings on the north side of the street, so it got the sun exposure on the storefronts. But there was a couple buildings built on the south, and one of those that was built in 1910 was the post office. That post office stood there for 50 years, right in the same spot. And then old Doc, he took that building over and made a veterinary clinic out of it. And it was a veterinary clinic for several vets there over the years. In 1913, the Mercantile Building was built. That was where my dad's grocery store was. It stood on the north side of the street. Right next door to it in 1913 was a big old rambling building. It became the Ford Garage. That's what we called it anyway, the Ford Garage. A guy named Jack founded it, but it wasn't many years, and Glenn and Morse purchased that and went into partnership. Later, Fred, Glenn's son-in-law, came into the business and eventually controlled the whole thing. If you go to the west, just the next block, there's a strip mall that was built. Clear back... In 1938, this building was built. I don't think they really called them strip malls back then. But it was a big rambling building with several doors to it. And in the main part of the building was a restaurant called Craig's Cafe. After the dust settled and everything, part of the building was a laundromat, a barber shop, a clothing store, all kinds of stuff. So as I walk down the street when I'm a kid... And I'm walking to the east, and I go by the Conoco on my left there. I'm on the north side of the street. And then Doc's little building where his medical practice was. Then the Snowview Motel. And then I come upon Olson's. They bought that business from Craig's Cafe. And it was a bar and restaurant. My earliest memory of that building is after Craig's left... I cannot for the life of me remember it when Craig's had it. But what made that business so popular back when Craig's owned it was they were building the big reservoir up north of town. It was a major project, and a lot of men came from all over to work on that. When Olson's had it, there were still all kinds of stuff. Tunnels and mines being built, and that was a good clientele for them. It was a 24-hour restaurant with a bar in the same building. It was partitioned off. You had to access it inside the building. You cut through at the restrooms. And the bar was a very, very dark with probably 10 seats at the bar. And in the back room of the bar part were pool tables where I really did like to shoot pool as I got older. And the restaurant was one of those things where... A lot of us called it a greasy spoon, but as my first experience of a burrito was there. And I don't think I really knew what a burrito was except for at Olson's until Hazel's Silver Tips came through and started making these deluxe burritos that everybody thought was the greatest burrito on earth, and they possibly were. They had a cook at Olson's that we all called Wart kind of a little guy that was kind of twisted and almost broken. And I don't know what happened to him in his life, but he worked there for years. 
I cannot ever remember anybody else being the cook there. I'm sure there were. I knew Dan and Donna, the owner's kids, as I was growing up. Well, after I did grow up, they sold the restaurant and bar, and they renamed it the Long Branch. My dad and I were eating there because everyone was saying how great it was and everything. One day at lunch, all of a sudden, they came out of the kitchen and said, nobody panic, but the kitchen's on fire. We'll let you know if you have to evacuate. You know, I looked at my dad, and my dad looked at me, and, well, should we go? And we didn't, and they put the fire out, and what it was was a grease fire from years and years of probably Wart not cleaning up the grease behind something or whatever. The next day, they brought in some kind of a sandblaster and sandblasted that kitchen. It was closed for a couple days while they did it. That became a destination restaurant. Very busy, very good food. And those folks eventually sold it to Ralph and Marlena. I like them, Ralph and Marlena, a lot. Ralph is famous to this day in tales about that town because several years before, the town council decided they were going to make our little town just like all the other little ski area towns and stuff and put trees up and down the main street and you could have pedestrians and what they forgot was people drove through there 40 50 miles an hour and it wasn't some little two-lane road it was a four-lane road and people just clocked through and you had to have a big sign just to get their attention and there wasn't a lot of pedestrian traffic at all well, anyway, these trees started to get larger and larger, and the tree was blocking out the long branches sign. So when someone was cruising down 43 miles an hour through town, they couldn't even tell there was a restaurant there. And one day, Ralph cut that tree down. I don't know what happened to him, but the newspaper got a picture of it. Him standing there holding the tree in one hand and a saw on the other hand. Looking like he had just conquered Mount Everest. Good for you, Ralph. Good for you. I was very proud of him. Amazed that he had the cojones to do that. Yeah, I think the town made him pay for damages and plant another tree. Ralph and Marlena no longer own that cafe. And I think today it's called something like Fat Cat. Whatever that means. Always be kind, no matter what. Sometimes it takes a lot of self-control, but self-control is an important thing. I'll be back next Wednesday. Go eat a burrito. Peace out.